Hi, this is Mike Adams. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, it's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Thank you so much for joining us, letting us be part of your day. We hope you are staying warm and safe. That is a challenge as this winter storm grips much of the nation. We'll focus a lot on that today. We'll be talking with DTN meteorologist Bryce Anderson to get the very latest on the storm. We're also going to focus in on the state of Texas. Very hard hit and uh, a lot of uh, folks without power there. It's happening in other parts of the country as well. We're going to focus on Texas today. We'll talk with Kerry Martin with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network for an update on conditions in the Lone Star State and how agriculture is being hit by this storm and how producers are dealing with it there. So that's coming up on today's program. We're also going to be getting the latest on dicamba. Try to answer some questions there. We'll talk with Bears Dicamba Product Manager later on today's program. But we're going to start it off with the news with Jerry Hagstrom with the Hagstrom Report. Jerry, I know Washington, D.C. doesn't always handle winter weather real well. What's going on in our nation's capital? Uh, well, the Congress is out this week, so uh, people don't have to worry about getting up to Capitol Hill. Not that we can go there very much because, of course, the, there are all these, uh, still all these fences up. Uh, but we had a uh, we had an ice storm uh, over the weekend, and so we were pretty much housebound. But that's gone. But we're expecting another storm towards the end of the week. So we're affected by the weather, not as much as the Midwest or the plain or the South even. Uh, but we're having we're having some impact from it. Politically, now that the impeachment trial is over, what do you expect the focus to be in the ag committees? Well, the first thing is uh, that's going to happen uh, is not actually in the Ag Committee, but on the Senate floor, uh, and that is that um, um, Secretary or former Secretary Tom Vilsack will get his vote in the Senate a week from today. The Senate decided that on Saturday before they left. That was right after the impeachment vote, uh, and so it's supposed they. Scheduled it for February 23rd, but not have given the time have not given the time of the day yet. So we'll watch for that next week. Um, we talked about this a little bit uh, yesterday here on the show. The ag committees certainly have a different look to them now. I mean, uh, as Democrats have control, um, and many of them coming from more uh, urban areas rather than rural areas, it is a, a new audience for agriculture to tell its story to in these ag committees in many cases. And also, these people bring a, a new list of priorities with them, don't they? Uh, yes, the committees are definitely different. Uh, both the, the House Agriculture Committee and, and the House Agricultural Appropriations Subcommittee are headed by African-American uh, Democrats. The Senate Ag Committee now has uh, has uh, two black senators on it, uh, Cory Booker of New Jersey, Raphael Warnock of, of Georgia, and, uh, and also a uh, Hispanic member, Ben Ray Lujan of, of, tech, of uh, New Mexico. Uh, so you have different influences. And I think that for, the, for what I might call the conventional ag community, the important thing is for them to teach these uh, new members, 
uh, new leaders the, imp- the importance of agriculture as an industry. Now, I am sure that David Scott, the, the chairman of House Ag and Sanford Bishop of, the, of House Ag Probes, they're already very knowledgeable about this. They've been on the committees for a long time. But the new senators uh, have been somewhat differently focused, and uh, I think they, they, uh, they may need some visits from some, from some ag groups to talk about the importance of agriculture as an industry in the country. Yeah, a learning curve here as both sides uh, get to know each other. Uh, also this week, we'll have the virtual, this year, uh, USDA Outlook Forum. Yes, I'm, I'm kind of disappointed that Vilsack did not get confirmed in time to speak to the, to the uh, Outlook Forum. Uh, uh, but, you know, he won't be secretary, uh, so there'll be a lot of other people talking about the state of agriculture, which fortunately is uh, uh, picking up. Uh, you were asked earlier what the committees would be focusing on, and I think in both the Senate and in the House it, w- it will be climate. Uh, so, uh, Congressman Scott and the House Ag Committee has said his first hearing will be on climate, and of course uh, Debbie Stabenow, the chairwoman on the Senate side, ha- has said that climate will be a big focus for her as well. Do we know when there will be a confirmation vote on Michael Regan for EPA? No, uh, as I understand it, he has been approved by the committee, the Senate, yeah, the Senate Public uh, Environment and Public Works Committee, but I don't think his vote has been scheduled. Uh, also on this point, Senator Grassley said this morning that he doesn't think that Kathleen Tai, the, the candidate for uh, U.S. Trade Representative, will get a hearing until mid-March, and she wouldn't get confirmed. The earliest possible would be just before the Senate goes out for its, for its Easter recess. That's towards the end of March. So we still have some important officials who have not yet gotten uh, scheduled for confirmation votes. So in the meantime, as we're seeing at USDA and the other agencies, you have career uh, staff people running things? Well, no, I wouldn't say that anymore. Uh, at USDA, for example, they put in a lot of deputy undersecretaries who are, who are uh, running things. Um, and uh, also the, the chief, new chief of staff who will be working for Vilsack, Catherine Ferguson, is in place, and several other political advisors. So I would say that, that, uh, that USDA is run by uh, Biden administration deputy appointees. Of course, they have a lot of help from career civil servants, but there are political appointees in charge of the department. And I would guess that in the case of USDA, um, Tom Vilsack, there's probably ways for him to make his feelings known, uh, get some things across to those people of what he would like to see done. Well, yes, of course. And he was, uh, you know, uh, he has been in contact with, uh, with these uh, with these key people, and uh, one of the important people, uh, Robert Barney, who is the deputy chief of staff and in charge of climate, was the head of the Biden-Harris transition team uh, that was in charge of agriculture. So I think there's a lot of uh, a lot of coordination there. Uh, what you don't have is this major figure, the secretary at the mm-hmm. top of the uh, kind of at the top of the chart the person who can actually make news in a way that these uh, uh, staff members and deputy undersecretaries cannot. 
Yeah, he's not out front in official capacity. It's kind of like in a baseball game. The manager gets thrown out, and he has to leave, but he's still back there in the tunnel under the stands and letting them know what he wants done. So there's a way for that to happen, of course. All right, we'll see what happens with the outlook for him this week and watch for Vilsack's confirmation next week. Thanks, Jerry. Okay, you're welcome. Have a good week. You too. Jerry Hagstrom with the Hagstrom Report. Texas, one of the states hard hit by the winter storm. We're going to talk with Kerry Martin with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network next to get an update and how it's impacting agriculture in the Lone Star State. Stay with us. You're listening to AOA. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Don't go away. More Adams on Agriculture coming right up. Recently on Adams on Agriculture, Dan Hallstrom, President and CEO of the U.S. Meat Export Federation, joins us. So what do these 2020 numbers tell us when you have a record in pork exports and even though down some in beef, still finishing strong in the year? During a pandemic, what does that tell us? Despite all that, people are still eating, and we're seeing that in the numbers. Now, it's by no means business as usual. There is massive disruptions and a lot of shifts that had to go on. Retail is booming. E-commerce platforms are booming. And I think that's one of the positives we can take into 2021. We can build on the momentum at retail, the momentum on these e-commerce platforms. And you know what's going to happen in 2021? Over the course of the year, we're going to see tourism start to come back. We're going to see food service start to come back as well. And we are actually forecasting new records to be set on beef and pork for 2021 as well. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. Adams on Agriculture. Conversations with policymakers, the movers and shakers in the ag industry. The pros and cons of issues important to you, cutting through the spin to get to the heart of the topic and giving you the information you need to know. Every weekday, Mike Adams brings you a guest important to the ag industry. It's quite simply information farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Adams on Agriculture. Join us every Tuesday for Around the Table, brought to you by CHS, where we take a close look at the benefits of cooperative ownership. Every week, we'll host a new guest and discuss how you can get the most from working with your local cooperative. And we'll learn why farmers and ranchers just like you choose cooperatives to help them persevere and prosper. So be sure to tune in each Tuesday or visit cooperativeownership.com to learn more. Take a look under your bed. Find stuff under there? What about jobs? No? Now try your basement. There's a pair of overalls that overall you're not so into anymore. A perfectly good laptop that hasn't sat in your lap in months. And even more stuff, but still no jobs? Well, you really have both. See, stuff is defined as household articles considered as a group. Sometimes this stuff is no longer needed. Wait, no longer needed? That can't be right. Because remember those jobs you were looking for? Those are really needed, and they're the stuff inside your stuff. Even inside that winter coat that moved with you to Phoenix. Our job is to unlock those jobs, and it starts when you donate your stuff to your local Goodwill. Here's how we do it. When you donate to Goodwill, we sell your stuff to provide job training for people right here in your community. So just by teaming up with Goodwill, you help create jobs. And isn't that worth parting with the leftover keytar from your 80s cover band? Goodwill. Donate stuff, create jobs. Find your nearest donation center at goodwill.org. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council. 
You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You can rely on us for the latest farm and ranch news from around the world. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Texas is one of the states hard hit by this winter storm. And joining us now to get us up to date is Carrie Martin with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Carrie, thanks for joining us. You know, the Dallas area often gets uh, some winter weather uh, this time of year. But when it goes all the way down, say, to San Antonio, then you know it's a major storm and, and uh, a little little different than uh, most winters. Uh, how is the... Uh, How's the ag community in the state of Texas dealing with this winter blast? Well, you know, Texas is so big, Mike, I guess it determines on where you're at. Uh, because as you mentioned, you know, we do get some cold winter weather in Texas from time to time. But if you're up in the panhandle of Texas, well, you know, single-digit temperatures are, are not a frequent thing, but, you know, they are seen from time to time. So farmers and ranchers in that part of the state well, you know, they're kind of used to this. They're kind of prepared for this. So you know, they they have measures in place to deal with it. Uh, we talked with a dairy farmer in the panhandle yesterday, and, of course, you know, it's, it's no fun milking cows in this kind of weather, but um, he was prepared for it. He had measures in place to deal with it. Uh, about five years ago, there was another big winter storm in the Texas panhandle, and after that, you know, he put some measures in place. He built some extra wind breaks. He built an extra barn. Um, so, you know, he was kind of ready for it. He was prepared for it. So, you know, he, he's ready to deal with it. When you get into places like Central Texas, where I'm at, and down into the Rio Grande Valley near Mexico, uh, we're not used to this. <laughs> we're not prepared for this. Uh, we don't have experience in dealing with this. So, uh, farmers in the central and, and lower Texas areas, uh, they're really struggling. We're seeing a lot and hearing a lot about the loss of power, wind generators, wind turbines freezing up. Uh, what can you tell us about that? Well, I just got off the phone with a co-worker of mine, a fellow farm broadcaster, uh, Tom Nicoletti. He, uh, he is holed up in his house in Waco, uh, no power haven't had power for a couple of days now. He said it is 45 degrees in his house. Uh, He said he has every blanket that he owns on his bed, uh, literally just trying to stay warm and, you know, and get through this. So, yeah, loss of power is a big problem. Uh, We visited with some farmers down in the Rio Grande Valley yesterday uh, along the, uh, the Mexican border. And uh, one onion farmer, they have a lot of vegetables and citrus down there, an onion farmer, uh, he said that while, you know, the cold temperatures were rough, he got down to about 18 degrees, but along with the cold blast came about an inch of snow. And that turned out to be a blessing for him. He monitored the soil temperature, and with that inch of snow, uh, although the air temperature was 18 he was able to see about a 40-degree ground temperature. So he felt like that actually saved his pop. So um, I don't think that's, you know, the case everywhere, but that particular farmer, he said he felt like he was blessed to have that little bit of snow and to save that onion crop. But I know that power outages um, are are a tough thing. Folks are are 
really struggling dealing with that. And uh, at this point, you know, there's there's even more ice expected to come here uh, today and tomorrow. And, and ice is never a good thing when it comes to keeping the power on. We're talking with Kerry Martin with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Kerry, have you heard any reports of uh, of livestock losses or anything like that? I haven't heard it yet, but you know, Mike, when you have these kind of temperatures, you know that's going to happen. In fact, we did a story uh, just today, you know, about uh, helping uh, to remind farmers to document that well. You know, document how many cattle you have before the storm hit. Document any losses that you have uh, because of the uh, the livestock indemnity program can help farmers to uh, won't make them whole, but at least it will help somewhat when you have livestock losses in this weather. Uh, we're going to hit the phones today and see what we can find out, but uh, you know as well as I do, there are going to be some, some probably substantial livestock losses. Uh, although, I know a lot of your listeners uh, may be out right now uh, trying to feed cattle, uh, keep them watered. Uh, that's happened all over the country. We're doing the same thing here in Texas, but yeah, unfortunately, I, I know there's going to be some losses. Yeah, it'll take a while to get uh, all those reports and assessments in. You know, it's interesting with the focus on climate policy right now. All of a sudden, this storm has brought attention to the uh, the the wind generated power you have in the state of Texas. We think of Texas as a oil state, but here you have a lot of uh, wind turbines that are, as I mentioned earlier, frozen up, and that's kind of become a focal point for those pushing back against uh, the uh, the green movement and saying, hey. Look at the the problems that you can have. The that these f- sources of power uh, uh, can be unreliable times if you get hit with weather like this. So, uh, so Texas is kind of uh, being used as an example in this debate that's going on nationally. You know, I, I'm shocked at how many wind turbines we have in Texas. They're in a lot of places. You know, they've been out in the Panhandle and West Texas for many, many years. Uh, I could remember riding out there, I don't know, eight or ten years ago uh, and seeing wind turbines. But they're popping up now um, in Central Texas, here where I'm at, uh, down in South Texas. Uh, the, the windmills are just everywhere. And, yeah, you know, this, this debate that's going on right now, <laughs> we debate, you know, the reliability of wind power, um, we debate the reliability of electric vehicles. Um, do you really think electric tractors are going to, to, to work out <laughs> when you talk about the size tractors that we need to have? So, yeah, definitely puts an interesting kink into this uh, renewable energy debate. And, you know, I, I, I think there's always a place for it, um, for renewable energy in the form of wind and solar. We even have a lot of solar farms uh, popping up here in Texas. But at the same time, I, I don't think it's you know, the, the silver bullet, the end all to, to our energy situation. Gary, you made the move from Louisiana to Texas. What's it like uh, there at the uh, Farm Bureau Radio Network to cover a state so large? I mean, uh, it, it has to be a real challenge because of all the different situations. Now, everybody dealing with cold and winter weather right now in your state, it sounds like, but uh, on a daily basis, you're you're dealing with such a huge geography and differing conditions. It is, and, and you know, that's the one thing that, uh, that always surprises me about Texas is just... 
I think a lot of folks don't realize exactly how huge it is. But when you enter Texas on Interstate 10 at Beaumont, which is you know down in the southeast corner, you, you get a sign that that says El Paso 835. <laughs> <laughs> and so from you know from one corner of Texas, 835 miles to the other, it's massive. And we tackle that problem by having uh, reporters, uh, streamers, folks that we contract with uh, in all areas of the state to send us reports. So we get regular reports from all over the state. We've got, oh gosh, I think we've got eight or ten contractors, reporters out there covering the state for us. So, yeah, we've got to have people out there, boots on the ground in every corner because it is so different. Uh, from one side to the other. I mean, it's it would be the equivalent, you know, of uh, of trying to cover agriculture from you know Pennsylvania to Nebraska. Uh, it's just so varied and so different. So we have a lot of folks out there on the ground covering it for us and keeping our listeners informed, regardless of what corner of the state you're in. We've got 107 radio stations that we're on in the state of Texas, and so we want to make sure all those stations. Uh, get some coverage of agriculture in their area. It's a big job, and uh, you and the team do a great job there. Thanks a lot. Stay warm, and uh, hopefully the weather will improve soon. Thanks, Kerry. Same to you, Mike. So good to talk to you. Thanks so much. All right. Take care, my friend. Kerry Martin with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. That state really hard hit by this winter weather. And that's the thing about this particular storm that really stands out. Of course, the size of it, the scope of it, and the fact that it is bringing winter weather into areas that usually don't get this much winter weather, if any at all. As we mentioned, all the way down, really all the way down to the the Texas-Mexico border and a lot of other places, just not used to dealing with this kind of uh, weather and having to deal with it now. Coming up next, we're going to talk with DTN senior meteorologist Bryce Anderson and get his thoughts on this uh, weather picture. When's the storm going to be letting up? What are some of the areas most hard hit? We know there's been a a tornado in North Carolina, so all kinds of things going on weather-wise. Bryce will give us an update next, plus we'll get an update on those conditions in South America as we watch that soybean harvest there. So stay with us. We'll talk more weather next on AOA. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Don't go away. More Adams on Agriculture coming right up. The landscape of media has changed, and people are more skeptical than ever about where they get their news and information. While major news outlets show decreasing credibility, your local farm radio station still shows strong marks. In a recent survey, farmers rated information from their farm broadcasters as almost twice as reliable as major news outlets. Farm radio continues to be transparent, honest, and trustworthy. This message brought to you by the National Association of Farm Broadcasting. Adams on Agriculture prides itself on bringing top leaders in the egg industry right to your radio speakers. AOA wants to continue that conversation right to your fingertips. Follow AOA on Twitter at AOA underscore talk show and Mike Adams himself at the handle Mike Adams Egg. You will receive real-time highlights of the show and keep up with which convention or industry meeting AOA is attending. That's AOA underscore talk show and Mike Adams Egg. We hope to see you online. 
You're listening to Adams on Agriculture for the American Ag Network. I'm Kirsten Rall. Grain markets are taking cues from the energy sector with solid gains across the board to begin the holiday shortened week. On the Board of Trade, March corn is trading five and three quarters of a cent higher at 5.44 and a fraction. The May contract up five and a half cent at 5.42. March soybeans trading ten and a half cent higher at 13.82 and a half cent. The May contract up eleven and a fraction at 13. 1882 and a half cent. For the wheats, Chicago wheat march trading nine and a fraction higher at 646. Kansas City wheat march up 13 and three quarters at 630 and a half cent. Minneapolis spring wheat march up nine and a half cent at 625 and a half cent. The May contract up nine cents at 635. The strength in both cattle and hog futures on Friday may carry over into today's trade. There certainly does not appear to be any slowing of demand or concern by traders of an overbought market. Demand remains strong even at current higher prices. Cold and snow will continue across a large area of the country. April lean hogs on the Board of Trade trading 30 cents higher at 85.50. The May contract up 50 cents at 87.60. For feeder cattle, the March contract up 12 cents at 140.97. The April contract up 32 at 145.05. April live cattle trading 42 cents higher at 125.62. The June contract up 15 cents at 121.45. In cash cattle country, it's slow to start this morning. Some early asking prices have been noted in parts of the South at $116 plus, but the North has yet to be established. Significant trade volume will likely be delayed until the second half of the week. Light to moderate box movement is expected. In the outside markets, the Dow is up 87 points, the NASDAQ composite up 45, the S&P 500 up 9. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture. I'm Kirsten Rall. Do you know how to keep food safe at home? Clean, separate, cook, and chill. The easy lessons of clean, separate, cook, and chill will help you protect your family and be food safe. Let's talk about how to really cook. First, you can't tell it's done by how it looks. Use a food thermometer. Then, always stir, rotate the dish, and cover food when microwaving to prevent cold spots where bacteria can survive. Fast cooking should still be safe cooking. And bring sauces, soups, and gravies to a rolling boil when reheating. Even for the most experienced cooks, the improper heating and preparation of food means bacteria can survive. Food safety risks at home are more common than most people think. The USDA is your partner in being food safe. Clean, separate, cook, and chill. For more information, visit BeFoodSafe.gov or call 1-888-MP-HOTLINE. Hi, this is Mike Adams. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. A lot of people without power during this uh, winter storm, these frigid conditions, dangerous conditions, and others are dealing with rolling power outages, blackouts, including our next guest, DTN senior meteorologist Bryce Anderson. Bryce, you're in the Omaha area, and I understand you're having some of these rolling blackouts as well. Yes, we are, Mike. Uh, I'm an example of of how uh, the power companies are having to deal with uh, the incredible demand. And uh, in order to do that, you know, they're saying, okay, everybody give up a little 
uh, a little comfort during the day so that nobody has to uh, experience uh, a real a real uh, sustained outage and uh, of course possible uh, complications that are much more extreme than you know somebody like me having to think about doing a few jumping jacks uh, more often uh, during the day in order to in order to to stay active right and uh, and that that's where we are uh, this is uh, some kind of cold wave that is breaking uh, temperature records that go back uh, almost 140 years in, in some uh, locations and uh, the the snow and ice and uh, the uh, catastrophic um, damages and uh, unfortunately fatalities that we have seen uh, really are just uh, all sorts of entries in the weather history books uh, here in mid-February. Yeah, we just talked with Carrie Martin with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, and I mentioned uh, what makes this storm really stand out is where it's cold that it's usually not cold nothing near this uh you know whether it's southern texas or you know even tennessee and we saw the about the the storms a tornado in north carolina i mean this this is very widespread it, yes it is uh, my my colleague uh, our our farm business editor uh katie mysick dellinger lives in the, the nashville area and um, you know her family uh, is is doing okay, but I mean uh, she was she has uh, told us through emails about the uh, sort of uh, of snarls in uh, in traffic and uh, getting around a lot of closures uh, in the mid south that they are experiencing uh, the the uh, fact that uh, there is snowfall along the Gulf Coast that uh, everybody has seen video of around Galveston, Texas uh, shows the the uh, tremendous coverage of this cold wave. And um, I don't uh, focus a lot of my efforts. I, I do some, but the majority of my efforts, uh, of course, Mike, are on the central part of the country. But boy, the impact on uh, agriculture in the Deep South, I think, is going to be profound uh, with um, damage to uh, vegetative crops, uh, obviously to livestock, uh, the infrastructure. Uh, that is not set up to handle even a moderate uh, cold snap. And then, you know, this coming, uh, you know, couple weeks, the next couple weeks, this is time to get uh, get things going for field work in the uh, southern United States. And, you know, I think that's going to be um, a delayed uh, a delayed project uh, now uh, with the impact of this cold wave. This is going to take a while to work through and work out of uh, with this uh, kind of impact that we've got. Yeah, those of us in the Midwest, February is just, you know, th- this is a winter month. So uh, while it's even colder than usual for many of us, I mean, it's not that unexpected. But as you point out, for folks in areas not used to dealing with this with this kind of weather, it's especially hard on them. And and again, as you said, many of them in the South, for farmers, this is when they're thinking about planting time. Yes, they are. Uh, you know, last week was would have been in a in a typical year. Uh, would have been the uh, occasion for the Farm Machinery Show, uh, the National Farm Machinery Show in Louisville, Kentucky, uh, where we usually touch base uh, a couple times. And uh, then following that, uh, it's, it's time to, to get the machinery going uh, over uh, the southern tier of the country. I've talked to producers there. You have, too, uh, who have mentioned that, okay, I'm, I'm here, I'm, I'm at this show, and this is sort of my, my final go around before you know getting busy 
Uh, and that's not going to happen. And along with that, I, I have to think that uh, there's been some some damage, like I say, to infrastructure done that uh, is going to maybe slow down the uh, start of uh, spring activity in its own right, just because uh, of the of the process of the prospect of uh, of hindrance uh, to to uh, getting uh, farm work underway because of damage to uh, support structures and support systems that are not set up uh, to handle cold weather. And so you've got those, uh, those issues as well. We're talking with DTN senior meteorologist Bryce Anderson. All right, Bryce, uh, when do we pull out of this? Uh, I know uh, there are some moderating temperatures in, in, uh, in the forecast, but uh, uh, that's, you know, that's kind of a, you put quotations around that. I mean, if you get above zero in some places, that seems like moderating weather. So uh, what have we got coming up here the next couple of weeks? Yeah, no kidding. Right now, my it's 10 below at my house, and uh, if it got to 10 above, I mean, that would be a 20-degree warm-up. Um, this week, uh, we are actually going to see uh, improvements in temperatures over the northern tier of states in Minnesota and North Dakota. Uh, in fact, by next week, temperatures are likely to be above normal over that northern tier of states. Now, meanwhile, uh, I would uh, kind of ballpark it, Mike, at about Interstate 80 and then south. And uh, over, over the southern half of the country, we are still going to be uh, dealing with below to much below normal temperatures for about another week to week and a half. Uh, this uh, very cold core that you know, broke out of the polar vortex and, and then moved south is going to take its own time to, um, to really move out and allow for milder conditions to develop. So I think that uh, we're going to, you know, be out of these just incredibly cold conditions. But as far as, uh, you know, really feeling seasonal on temperatures, it's probably going to take until the week after next before we start feeling uh, that sort of change uh, in the temperature pattern. Okay, what's the latest on uh, harvest weather in South America? Well... Uh, they have got the umbrellas out in Mato Grosso, and I wouldn't be surprised if there's quite a few combines that are just uh, stuck in the shed right now. Uh, Mato Grosso has had heavy rainfall during the past uh, four to five days. Uh, the, uh, the satellite imagery over the holiday weekend was full of these ugly black and, or kind of dark red, almost black splotches, indicating uh, the, the uh, heavy rainfall. And because of that, uh, harvest is continuing to be well behind average. They are not even 10% harvested on the soybean crop in Brazil. And this coming week, we are going to see more rainfall of anywhere from 2 to 5 inches in central Brazil. And that's going to hold things up even more. So this, uh, this harvest slowdown that has been talked about is indeed happening. And uh, it certainly is not a good stretch. Here at this time in uh, the season for that uh, central Brazil soybean crop. What about Argentina? Argentina, in contrast, is just on the drier side with uh, maybe up to three-quarters of an inch rainfall over the next week. They still don't have a lot of uh, real hot weather, Mike, but there is not going to be a whole lot of follow-up moisture uh, for the Argentina uh, row crops during the balance of the month. And uh, that's, you know, I think 
possibly going to lead to a little bit of shaving of those yields even more. And uh, we've already seen a reduction in the Argentina crop estimates compared to the projections before the season began. We can start to we could see that scaled back just a little bit more. Fortunately, the temperatures have not brought on a lot of heat stress, and that's the only saving grace in that Argentina weather pattern right now. All right, we keep a close watch on that and how it also impacts uh, the planting of the Safrina corn crop in South America. Well, when you get a rolling blackout like you're in right now, do they tell you how long it's going to last? Uh, we think we think that it's going to be around uh, during the balance of uh, the the early to mid morning. So maybe by about eleven o'clock, uh, there's going to be, you know, a, a switch. You know, and someone else in this uh, greater Omaha area will uh, get to, uh, you know, kind of share and like I say, this uh, everybody kick in a little bit uh, in order to, uh, you know, keep uh, the keep the whole community taken care of on power. And any idea so how long this is going to go on? I mean, uh, is this going to be several like more days? A couple days. Yeah, a couple more days anyway. Uh, I don't think it's going to be completely um, back to, you know, back to more of a normal load probably until later tomorrow afternoon. So maybe about another day, day and a half of this uh, type of uh, community sacrifice, so to speak. And I say sacrifice in terms of just, okay, everybody... Uh, everybody understand that that we're uh, we're trying to do what we can to keep everyone taken care of. And we know that's going on. Those outages are going on in several parts of the country right now. So it is a it's a tough situation for a lot of folks. We wish all of you well. And uh, Carrie, thank um, Carrie uh, Bryce. Thanks a lot. Heard from Carrie Martin earlier about their situation in Texas. Yeah. And Bryce Anderson now giving us an overview across the country. Thanks, Bryce. Good to talk with you. You too as well, Mike. Thanks a lot. Stay warm. Bryce Anderson, Senior Meteorologist for DTM. But as he said, uh, looks like maybe we're going to start seeing some moderation in these temperatures here uh, coming up in the next few days. But a very dangerous situation for many people. We again urge you, be very careful. Stay as safe as you possibly can. Up next, always lots of questions about dicamba. We will talk with the dicamba product manager for Bear. Try to get the answers to some of those questions. That's next on AOA. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Don't go away. More Adams on Agriculture coming right up. Have you written a book and want to get it published? Then call Page Publishing at 800-955-4538 immediately. That's 800-955-4538. Page Publishing is looking for authors of all types of books. And unlike most publishers, Page Publishing will take the time to review each and every book submitted to them and give you their feedback. If they like what they read, they'll get your book into bookstores and for sale online at Amazon, the Apple iTunes Store, Barnes & Noble, and other outlets. They handle everything. Editing, cover design, copyright protection, printing, publicity, 
publicity and distribution. So if you've written a novel, children's book, cookbook, inspirational work, poetry, or a biography and want to get it published, then you need to call Page Publishing and do it immediately. Call 800-955-4538 now for your free author submission kit. Again, for your free author submission kit, call 800-955-4538. That's 800-955-4538. Your road to fame and fortune could very well start with this simple phone call. Call Page Publishing at 800-955-4538 for your free author submission kit. I can't get my computer to work. Let me help you with that. How'd you do that? I just got techie with Geeks On Site. Our geeks literally come on site. No need to stop what you're doing or block off time. We come to your home, office, or wherever you are. And we don't just fix whatever computer issues you might be having. We explain and teach you along the way so you can feel empowered and then help others at home or in your office. Better yet, don't have time for tech support to come to you? Let us remote into your desktop or laptop, and one of our geeks will instantly walk you through. We offer affordable prices on our remote services and IT support. You and those in your office will never have to wait hours to have your technical questions answered. Get your free computer diagnosis today with your very own geek. Get started now and we'll help you instantly. Call 866-967-3879. 866-967-3879. That's 866-967-3879. Recently on Adams on Agriculture, Brian Jennings, CEO of the American Coalition for Ethanol, with this push for EVs, could this bring about some kind of an alliance between the oil industry and the biofuels industry? Would you be in favor of something like that? What are your thoughts? We both make liquid fuels. EVs are going to cut into our market share. Why don't we join forces and fight off the EVs? But I think that's the wrong political calculation. I think EVs are going to increase no matter what, but their numbers are so minuscule, they're not going to take market share from us for years. If Biden and Congress are focused on policies to get to net zero emissions by 2050, we have more in common with EVs than we do with fossil fuels. We've got to be brave in this moment and resist the temptation to join forces with the refiners, build new political alliances that en enable ethanol to, to grow in market share, even though overall fuel use will shrink. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. This is Around the Table, where we explore the benefits of cooperative ownership. And this week, we're joined by Will Stafford, CHS Washington representative, to discuss agriculture and trade policy updates and expectations. What impact do you think Tom Vilsack's return to USDA will have? Uh, first off, I, I think the first thing that he brings back to USDA is his experience, uh, having served in his role for two terms under former President Obama. He knows who the players in agriculture policy in Washington, D.C. are, and he knows how to get things done. So I think he'll be able to hit the ground running once confirmed. Many major ag groups in Washington, D.C. have already praised his appointment. Uh, as far as policy goes, I think USDA will take up the push for climate initiatives that President Biden has indicated will be a focus for his administration. Uh, there's already been a lot of discussion in Washington over USDA's ability to use the Commodity Credit Corporation as a carbon bank to help finance carbon capture practices on farmland. So we kind of know the direction, the parameters. Any specific ag initiatives from the Biden administration that you'll be watching for? 
Yeah, sure. In addition to some of the USDA uh, initiatives that I mentioned, we're also keeping a close eye on other climate initiatives, other regulatory measures being discussed at agencies like the EPA, the Department of Transportation, Department of Energy, just to name a few. Uh, We're also watching for additional executive orders coming straight from the White House. Uh, One area I'd I'd like to highlight uh, is trade. The ability to sell commodities abroad is obviously extremely important to our business and our farmer owners. That's Will Stafford, CHS Washington representative. And thanks for joining us around the table. Learn more about the benefits of co-op ownership from CHS at cooperativeownership.com. You're listening to AOA Adams on Agriculture. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You can rely on us for the latest farm and ranch news from around the world. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Well, lots of questions about dicamba. Want to get some of those answers here as we talk with Alex Zentino, dicamba product manager for Bear. Alex, thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me today. All right. So what's the latest that producers need to know as far as the label for 2021? Yeah. So we go into 2021 with a five-year registration, right, for our dicamba product with the Roundup Ready Extend Crop System that's Extendamax herbicide. And this label is different than the last label. It includes new measures to further reduce off-target movement, and it's the strongest registration that we've had for the product. If you think about some of those additional measures, um, they include the requirement of a volatile reduction adjuvant, such as uh, vapor grip extra agent. So this is going to be a tank mix adjuvant that when added to the tank, it further reduces volatility potential. And some other label requirements now include uh, calendar cutoff dates, for soybeans, that would be June 30th, and then as well as expanded buffer distances and, and overall simplification of the herbicide label um, for increased ease of use. You mentioned EPA's five-year registration. What does that mean for growers? I think it, it ultimately gives growers um, you know, a five-season certainty of what this label looks like. So, um, you know, the, the biggest work this year is to make sure growers become familiar with the label. They, they um, get trained and are ready to use it, and then they'll know that that knowledge they can use for the, for the upcoming five seasons. Yeah, there's been, there was a lot of confusion about what EPA had actually done and would it change very state to state. Uh, kind of bring us up to date. Is it uniform or is it different depending on where you're farming? I think a, a majority of states now um, have actually 34 out of 34 have now completed their state registration. There are some states that um, are still looking at their local needs and might pursue an expansion of that federal label through through a 24C label. There are um, three states that do have a bit um, of a more restrictive um, label than the federal, uh, federal label, so that would be um, Illinois. Um, Indiana and Arkansas. So those growers that need to make sure to stay, um, check with their state um, regulators on what those requirements are. But really, aside from that, all other states following that um, federal um, EPA registration. You mentioned the new required tank mix adjuvant. Why is that so important? Tell us a little bit more about that. 
I think ultimately, right, um, you always want to have um, further reduction, right, of, of off-target movement. Make sure that that product stays in place when, when applied. And the requirement of a volatility uh, reduction adjuvant, right, by, by bringing this adjuvant into the tank mix, we bring even further reduction of volatility, right? So there's been still some concerns related to volatility. So I think this new requirement is is going to help address those concerns that have been brought up in the past. We're talking with Alex Centino, Dicamba Product Manager for Bear. Alex, with all the uh, the scrutiny on Dicamba, the concerns around its use, uh, questions producers have had whether or not they would be able to have it, so we're getting ready to go into this new year with the new label. There's been a step up in the last few years about training and education for the product. What can you tell us is available for growers here in 2021? Yeah, I think with this new label, it's going to be critically important that growers and applicators know what options they have available. With the environment we're operating today, right, um, online training is going to be a, a focus for us. So this year, growers can go to our website, roundupbrideyextend.com slash training, and there they'll find a couple of online options. The first one is a self-guided um, online training module. Growers can take that. It takes about 45 minutes to complete at their own pace and time. Then they can also choose to, if they prefer, to do an online webinar. Those are offered live every Wednesday, and um, they can sign up, same place on our website, and they're led by Bayer Weed Scientists, and that gives them the ability, right, to ask questions live, be uh, see or listen to what other um, growers are asking questions on, um, and uh, just just the ability, right, to get those questions answered as they take the training. What's that website again? It is roundupreadyextend.com slash training. Yeah. In the past, there have been those in-person training sessions held across the country. With COVID, that's, that's made that more of a challenge to get this information out. Absolutely. That's why um, we really focused on, you know, having – our online training available much earlier than ever before. Um, we're really happy to say that a majority of states now have accepted online training uh, very early on, right? Here in January, we started um, training um, and we'll go all the way to March. So trying to give um, as much time as possible um, to meet those that the grower, grower timing. Um, so I think um, trying to make online training a, a new focus, making sure people know uh, options available, and also those growers that you know don't have the ability to do online training, we will um, make available small um, meetings um, following COVID guidelines, of course, um, for those growers that are unable um, to do any um, online training. So this is important information that training is so critical in the, the proper use of, of dicamba, dicamba products, and uh, we encourage uh, producers to check that out and, and go through all that training that they can. Alex, thank you very much for the update. We appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Bye-bye. Alex Antino, dicamba product manager for Bear. And with that, we're going to wrap things up for today. Coming up tomorrow... Uh, we're going to have uh, a kind of a preview of this USDA Outlook Forum that's coming up this week.
It's a virtual event this year. It's it's kind of an unofficial crop report, really, as they're just going to make their projections on acres and things like that, and and really figure the market's going to look at it almost as a crop report. They're they're looking for uh, new information, fresh information, so they'll be reacting to it, even though their projections here in February what's going to happen later uh, this year. So we'll talk about that. How does that all get come together? We'll talk with a former USDA chief economist about that. Hope you'll join us right here on AOA. Stay safe, everyone. Hi, this is Mike Adams. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world.